Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, with a friend of show. You've seen him before. His name is Andy Ambriel. He's an organic farmer uh, in Indiana, not too far from me. And he's been on the podcast before. He's going to join me today as we talk about a subject that you probably have an opinion about if you are in the business of agriculture. It's about educating the consumer. We hear it all the time. We hear it at all of our ag events. And we tell, we are told it's right up there with, you know what we need to do? We need to educate the consumer. Humor, and it's right up there with, you need to tell your story. Um, these are things we see, say a lot, and we'll tell you why uh, it's time for us to change the curriculum in educating the consumer. So that's what Andy and I are going to be talking about today. And by the way, we're not against educating people. It's just that we need to kind of discuss what that really means. Before we get to Andy and this subject, I want to remind you that this podcast is both audio, wherever you pick up your uh, episodes, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever, and it's also available as a video on the Damian Mason channel. Go to YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel, and please hit subscribe. Uh, the Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Harvest Profit, a software solution for your ag enterprise. You can go to harvestprofit.com and see if this is going to be a fit for you. You can even get a 14-day free trial. All right, Andy Ambriel, welcome to the Business of Agriculture. Well, thanks for having me. And if you're watching this, you'll see he's in his truck. Like all hardworking young farm people, he was out there loading trucks today, and he's at a remote farm that's uh, uh, 20 or 30 miles from where he actually has home bases. So he said, yeah, I got some spare time here, and he wanted to join me. Yeah, today's payday. So today's payday. That's the thing. When you're yep. loading trucks, that means money is coming in. So people always get excited about planting. It's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. It's spring, you know, the sun's coming out. All of us ag people get really excited about planting, but the real fun time is harvest because then it's actually bringing in bring in the bounty, and then you know the money's coming then too. All right, I wrote an article about this: educating the consumer. Mr. Ambriel and I have had a discussion about this previously. You tell me what your problem with it is. Educating consumer. There's probably a few things. And no, we're not against keeping information out there. We're not against telling our customers about what we do. But what's it mean when you hear it said? Well, yeah, it, usually it means uh, different things to different people. But uh, usually it means trying to get everybody else to agree uh, with me. And usually that doesn't work too well. So we kind of we kind of go under the guise of educating the consumer, but at the same time, uh, we're just trying to give everybody our own viewpoint and not necessarily putting ourselves uh, in the consumer's shoes. I don't know any other business that uh, doesn't aim to serve the consumer um, without, uh, you know, sir, we as farmers we kind of tend to serve ourselves in our own self interest. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, I've been to conferences, uh, obviously a lot. I write books and deliver speeches, et cetera, about ag. And I'll go to these conferences. And at many of these conferences, there'll be some uh, person that gets up on stage and says, well, we're just going to educate the consumer. And I, a lot of times, have people talk to me that say, hey, Damien, you're doing a really good job educating the consumer. I'm like, wait a minute. If it's me saying, hey, here's the problem with the supply chain. Like I shot a video last spring. It got really good action because I talked about 
you wonder why there's going to be meat shortages in the grocery while they're also, you know, burying pigs in Iowa. Here's why. And I explained the whole problem with the processing plants, et cetera. That is educational and it's not condescending. Sometimes when we say educate the consumer, it means, by God, I'm going to go out here and do what I do the way I've always done it, the way my dad did it. If you don't like it, go to hell, grow your own food, thank a farmer. That's what we think sometimes is educating the the consumer. Am I right? Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Uh, It's just, uh, it can be one-sided. Now, the the interesting thing is, you know, we're a couple generations away from every, pretty much everybody having some tie to agriculture, either, you know, uncle farm, dad farm, grandpa, whatever. Um, But, you know, we're probably two generations away and there is a huge disconnect uh, with consumers to farmers. So we need to fill that gap, but at the same time, we need to meet consumers where they are, not where we are. You take words right out of my mouth. I said that in the article that I wrote, because here's the thing. Uh, it's not that we are against informing the customer about what we do or the beautifulness and the bountifulness of what we do. You know, I, I all the time talk about, I talk about my book. I said, this is the amazing accomplishment until a hundred years ago, scarcity defined food, even in North America, where we're certainly better off than Ethiopia. But now the consumer has a hell of a lot of choices. And so we used to say, let's just tell them how lucky they are. Well, there's that. But also we used to sort of use educate the consumer would mean I'm going to use this as a reactionary defense of why I do what I do. Yeah. uh, You may not like it, but here's why we're doing it. And that's educating the consumer. I think our bigger opportunity is to accept the fact that they've got a whole bunch of choices and that's not going to go away. Um, There's Whole Foods, there's Trader Joe's, there's food online, there's, you know, food delivery methods, there's small companies that are producing just about anything you can imagine. And so uh, food with a cause, you know, there's all this kind of thing. I liken it to your cell phone. Everybody listening to this podcast right now, in fact, many of them are using their smartphone and you're either watching it or listening to it on a smartphone. You expect that your phone is going to have connectivity unless you're in a really rural part of the country. You expect that you're going to have access to your apps. You expect that you can check the market prices on the Chicago Board of Trade or the CME group, as it were. You expect all these things. Now, what about when then someone says, well, you know what? Here's how that phone was made. Here's where it was made. Is that what we're doing when we say we're going to educate this? The consumers down the road on this, man, they're like, yeah, I think it's neat that you guys are in agriculture, but I've never been without a signal. I've never been without the Facebook app. I've never been without access to the CME website. We're kind of like over here thinking that it's still a novel thing. We got to tell them how we produced the phone and the consumer don't give a damn. The consumer's saying, I don't care how you produced it. I just uh, want to use it. Is that the right comparison? Oh, I think so. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, you compare it to a phone, you know, people stand in line to spend a thousand dollars on the newest, latest and greatest iPhone. You know, do you need to have that? No. Is it nice Do some people, you know, want to have that? Yeah, absolutely. And Apple and everybody else is trying to fill that void. So, you know, we as farmers, you know, we don't need to toot our own horn if we meet consumers and, and uh, you know, provide, what they want, uh, they're willing to pay for it, you know? So we, we don't need to shame them, uh, into, into thinking that, you know, they need to buy, buy or go one way, uh, when they're willing to pay for, you know, what they want. 
Yeah, so you're bringing up a different point, but it's a very relevant one because we think in ag, we tend to be a bit conservative or even cheap ourselves. And we think that that's all that matters to the consumer. The consumer, as you pointed out, is uh, walking out of the Apple store where they stood in line to pay $1,000 for a handheld device that their other one did just fine. If you yeah, said, I need a new phone, <laughs> what do you mean? Do you, you need a new phone? Does your current cell phone not work? No, it works. Does it not have internet connection? No, it has internet connection. What's it? Well, it doesn't have as good of a camera. I'm like, as good of a camera? It's a phone. It doesn't have as fast of um, download speed. Uh, it doesn't have. And you're saying, wait a minute. Again, that's the same concept with the consumer. You're saying, why are you going in there to Whole Foods and paying double price for that gallon of organic grass-fed milk uh, that you could get conventional milk for? Or why are you going over there and paying, you know, a 60% premium for organic strawberries? And it's because they can. <laughs> it's because yeah, they yeah. want to, right? And yeah. so we're still here sometimes saying educate the consumer. I'm not against telling you that a lot of things about, uh, you know, say organic uh, produce are um, somewhat marketing myth more than reality, but I also am willing to let those consumers go and buy that stuff, whatever it is, just like you should be willing to let them, you know, ain't everybody wants the grasshopper. Isn't that the phone that, uh, or the cricket or whatever it is, they advertise like um, to old people that it's just like, hey, hey, grandpa, you don't even have a cell phone. Let's get you the cricket or whatever it is. It's just a simple old flip phone with numbers that are about the size of a quarter. That's fine for grandpa, but the consumer is going to stand in line to get the more expensive one. Talking about educate the consumer here with my man, Andy Ambriel, and I got another uh, couple of thoughts on this. It sounds condescending. It sounds arrogant. Uh, to do it. We agree on that. We agree that the consumer has a lot of choices and that's not a bad thing, but you know what? That's fantastic. I said in my article that I wrote, it's time to flip the script, change the curriculum. We should still do outreach, but what's the right way to do it? I don't think it's in the educate the consumer, which means a reactionary rallying cry to here's why we do what we do. I think it might be time to change how we do it. So what's the right answer? You said that there's a considerable amount of, so we say, disconnect between what the consumer does and what we do. What's the right way to go about it? Uh, I think uh, just offering choices in the marketplace. Um, you know, we live, we are so fortunate to live in the time that we do where there is an abundance instead of scarcity. And, uh, the, you know, the more choices, uh, I think the better off everybody's going to be. So we'll uh, let, let the market place kind of decide and uh, fight out the ideas uh, there instead of, you know, legislatively or uh, kind of within our own bubbles. Sometimes we, and this is a real thing that we talked about in our business of agriculture success group, uh, group meeting that we had today, Andy, sometimes when we talk about educating, there is another reason for it. Um, as long as it's not just um, defending our inability to change it's still okay that we're talking about putting information out there, but we do it in the wrong way. Now, our friend Todd talked about the three ways that consumers, so if we are really talking about an informational campaign or outreach to the people that we feed, and, you know, again, thank a farmer and y'all just be happy we produced this for you. Ain't going to fly anymore because there's a lot of choices and, and uh, consumer, certainly the ones that vote and vote with their dollars are not 
so desperate that they just have to, you know, wait to the end of the bread line. Todd talked actually, about, huh? I, actually, I, if you're really wanting to, to narrow it down, I'd say probably thank a trucker more than thank a farmer when it comes to getting food. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> our vast, our vast amounts of supply chain and distribution system. Yep. Yep. So Todd talked about, uh, Todd Thurman talked about the three uh, rhetorical appeals, the one that appeals to authority, one that appeals to logic, and the one that appeals to emotion. So what did you think of that? And then what do you think we're doing wrong in ag when it comes to how we outreach to consumers? Yeah, I think it's great that he broke it down like that. And the, the one thing uh, that he didn't really mention that I think is still very valid is the authority that farmers do have. Um, there is a lot of, you read the surveys, um, a lot of consumers trust farmers. Uh, they will trust what a farmer says and, and all that. Now, when it goes to, you know, scientists or food companies or things like that, that, that trust goes down quite a bit. Um, so, you know, we as farmers definitely can, can strive uh, as an authority figure. Um, and, you know, he also mentioned uh, emotional and, uh, you know, that is, is definitely a, a big big one as well probably trump's authority uh because people like to feel good when they eat food there is an emotional connection uh to that food that is deep within all of us uh it's it's more than just shoving your face full with a big mac and yeah there's there's the sustenance part of it but you know if you're of a certain age you remember that uh you know there was a saying and it's probably improper now the way to a man's heart is through his yeah. <laughs> feed him and then yeah. you and he falls in love with you. So there is an emotional part of it to back this up a little bit since we're talking about changing the curriculum. Because what we're really saying is this old school idea that we just need to tell consumers how damn lucky they are that we exist. I just don't think it's going to work anymore. Like I said, uh, we keep going with the smartphone example. You've got Samsung and you've got, uh, you know, multiple other offerings. So the idea that there's a smartphone company and we should just be damn lucky they're there. Well, not so much anymore. There's, there's all kinds of options. It's kind of the same way with food. There's so many options. So when I think about an informational aspect and what I attempt to do with my outreach, you know, I live half the year in the suburbs I go straight to choice. Isn't it great? You have all these choices. Um, yep. Yeah. Todd's point today was about authority, uh, logic and emotion being the three rhetorical appeals. And to make sure the listener understands this, you can go back and find my do business better podcast episode from last week or two weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this. And it's called the three rhetorical appeals or um, something like that. Authority really means credibility. And Andy has a lot of credibility as a farmer. Uh, I presumably have a lot of credibility as an ag guy. I've written books about it and I've been in the industry my whole life. And I, you know, I, I speak on the subject. Um, logic would be, well, here's why this is and this. And then there's emotion, of course. Our detractors use the emotional because they know that that gets folks to tune in or gets people's attention. Uh, PETA uses emotion. When they put a, a model in a bikini in a uh, hog crate, they are using that to create an emotion, not to mention attention. Uh, we use logic. The problem when we use logic, Andy, is? Nobody really cares. <laughs> there is that, that, that disconnect. You know, nobody cares that you only use, uh, you know, 16 ounces of Roundup and you can spray hundred acres an hour. That, a consumer cannot relate to that. And so, you know, they, they, they don't care. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you can talk about facts back and forth, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, 
it's just a disconnect. Yeah. So uh, the other part of it is using logic is it doesn't largely work when it comes to what we're talking about. It, it um, using science, which I've pointed out forever. I'm the, remember, I'm the one that came up with the, the bumper sticker agriculture because starvation sucks. That was a real appeal to, Hey, what's the alternative? You know, you want to bash agriculture. Well, what's the alternative going without? So emotion moves the needle more than logic. Before we go to the next subjects, I want to talk about, all the ag things that I've seen that are, shall I say, outdated in terms of how we do consumer outreach. But before we get to that, this episode is brought to you by Harvest Profit, company founded by Nick Horeb, now part of John Deere. Doesn't matter. You can just go to harvestprofit.com and find the software solution that's going to work for your farm or ag enterprise as hard as you work. Harvestprofit.com. You can get a free 14-day trial and see if this software is going to help you. All right. It I even works on organic these. farms too. What's Trust that? me, I know. It even works on organic farms too. Trust me, I know. Are you a customer? <laughs> I am. Yeah, that's for about well over a year now. So, yeah. so, so, uh, Andy's been a customer of uh, of uh, Harvest Profit, and he's very happy with the product. So good there. There you go. So if you need software, go get it. All right. So uh, I talked about my article. Fifty three percent of the United States population considers themselves to be a foodie. And we didn't even use this term 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You know, the wine and cheese thing. We started calling them foodies and these people that go to, uh, you know, culinary trips and all that. Well, the thing is, if over half the population has an intense interest in food, which is what the definition of a foodie is, and we're the providers of that, instead of us making it sort of a uh, at odds, we ought to just continue to be in unison. We know that the foodies aren't, PETA members trying to, you know, shut us down or they're not environmental wackos that are, uh, uh, you know, chaining themselves to trees or whatever. So if that's the case, we got a real opportunity here. And I think the I think the issue more and more, as you said, is um, me and where they are and just continually give them the big push that you can have whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. And, and isn't it amazing? You can have whatever you want. I like that. What I don't like is um, tell your story. This is a consumer outreach thing that we've been hearing now for a decade. Um, and and every, every person with a social media account is thinking that, well, if I just tell them my story, consumers care about themselves. They care about that emotion. But your story may or may not appeal to them. There's a picture of my farm with round bales out in the meadow and all that's cool. It does create a little bit of emotion, but my story only matters to the consumer if it also makes it something about them because people care about themselves. Am I right? Absolutely. You know, go, go to the used car lot and, uh, you know, that, that's all, that experience is all about making that person feel comfortable, feel uh, excited about the purchase, you know, and all that. You, you don't know anything about the guy trying to sell you the car. You don't care about making his life easy. You know, you, you want to know about all this, the new features on this car that's going to drive itself or do whatever, or this heated seats and, and all that, uh, you know, like you said, people care about themselves and we as farmers need to communicate how, what we do can benefit them. 
Yeah, what's uh, not, not the other way around. Yeah, what's it do for them? Now, for instance, you're an organic, and that does tell a story, but it's not necessarily about you. Now, if they put a picture of you up and your wife and your cute kids, and everybody thinks that's neat because, oh, I'm supporting this sort of uh, vision of what I want my food to come from. I don't want it to come from, uh, you know, a foreign country or whatever. That's all fine because it goes back to the consumer sentiment. Uh, it satisfies what they want. Your story basically then ties into what they want to be a part of. They want to be part of a food system that has a person like you that does their food, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's kind of the draw to the local food movement and yeah, foodies and all that. So, so uh, what do we get right? Because people think I'm bashing on ag sometimes when I point these things out. What do we get right when it comes to consumer outreach? Uh in my opinion, very few things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you look at a lot of the, uh, especially from the, ch the checkoff dollars and things like that, it's, it's very self-serving. Uh, you know, you'll see uh, the national corn and soybean ads in farm magazines. And, you know, we as farmers think they're really cool, but show them to your next door neighbor uh, that has a couple kids and works in town and, they're like, what, you know, it doesn't, doesn't register at all. So um, I think uh, the nostalgia uh, people still are attracted to that. And I think ag does a very good job, sometimes overwhelming at times uh, holding on to that. Um, but as far as trying to connect with the average uh, family next door, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's done very poorly and, and needs a lot of improvement. Okay. So you bring up a couple of things and I don't disagree when it comes to educating the consumer. Um, I've got a billboard campaign that I did in Georgia for my client, the Georgia uh, uh, milk people. And uh, the signs said, nut milk is not milk. And it created a big stir. We got boatloads of action on social media and people are taking pictures of these black and white boards that say nut milk is not milk. Of course, we're playing off of alliteration and you're playing off of sort of a drawing a line in the sand, a rallying cry, if you will. Yeah, you know what? That darn old, hey, that's why I like real milk. That was kind of the concept. But it's a checkoff campaign that some people in the industry don't like. And the thing is, they want stuff like you just said, when someone's informing the consumer, that does inform the consumer and it creates an emotion with the consumer. Yep. Some of the people in dairy don't like it because, well, first off, sounds like you might be disparaging nut milk. I'm like, you yourself said there's not really a thing called nut milk. It's nut juice. So I'm just pointing <laughs> out what is and what is not. Not disparaging, just pointing out what is and what is not. And also, we are going out to where the consumer is, driving down the highway versus reading a farm magazine. So your point is dead on that sometimes we think, well, you know what, they're doing a good job. They're, they're doing reach outreach. Yeah. To you, <laughs> you're yeah. not your own customer. You are We're not 2%. We're only 2%. So I just, yeah. Like you said, the neighbor has never read uh, the, uh, a copy of Indiana corn grower. So therefore they're never going to see the ad that the Indiana corn checkoff program put in there. So it's about meeting the consumer where they are with that. I think another thing that we do, uh, and I've talked about a lot on this podcast when it comes to informational campaigns, again, we go overboard on science and logic and the consumer is probably a little bit swayed by that. I think you've got to have emotion backed with data emotion back. Right. I think it's got to be like a 75, 25, get them to feel emotionally vested and then give them some information. What do you think? 
yeah, I think that's probably a good mix. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, uh, facts aren't always exactly black and white. Uh, it's whoever's paid to do the research, whoever's paying for the research. <laughs> There's uh, several instances of that. So, uh, you know, and, and that gets pretty tribal uh, back and forth like Todd was talking about, you know, uh, let, let's connect on some, some higher ground other than this is what my scientist says versus what your scientist says. All right. You talked about educational, uh, you know, ag outreach that we do, and we're talking about uh, what we do right and what we do wrong. Uh, nostalgia. You said we do a good job of that. Yeah, we do. Now, here's the thing. That sometimes backfires because then the people that are my neighbors out here in Paradise Valley, Arizona are saying, well, you know what? I, I want my food to come from a place where there's a, a, a red barn and a little clay uh, silo. And there's going to be four cows out there and there's going to be some chickens and because we still play that up too much. So when you say nostalgia, there is the backside of that where then it's got this concept. Like I said, if Ford wants to sell you an F-150, they might show you an old F an old Ford pickup truck. And then they'll fast forward it right to today. And they'll say, always been there for you. Ford tough. They don't say, Oh, here's this 1973 Ford pickup truck. Then that what you want, because when we keep showing yesterday's agriculture as nostalgia, sometimes our customer then thinks that that's what it should still be. Yep. And that's, that's one of our, our main jobs that we need to educate. Uh, you know, not, this isn't 1950. We're not out all out on eight ends and uh, farm all M's and all that, you know, we need to uh, portray, you know, the modern uh, farm, but, but do it in a way that uh, connects to the consumer and tell, tell the story that they will find interesting, not toot our own horn. And uh, you know, that way. I talked about it in my book, the peril of the cheap food argument. That's been another thing that we've done. Sometimes what we do when we think we're educating our consumer base is we talk then about how inexpensive the food product is. I'm like, wait a minute, is that education or is that just promoting? And then I always say, well, why are you promoting your cheapness? Because generally that means that you, the, the cheaper things go, the, the lower your margins are in business. Uh, is that educating or is that just uh, still an outdated method of us uh, telling the consumer something that they really don't care about? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, uh, th there is a, a fairly significant uh, segment out there that, that price shops. And I think it's important to uh, keep that segment alive and well. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when we look at it as a business uh, what other business wants to constantly cut their own margins, um, you know, and not, not offer. Yeah. You know what Ford, they've got several models of the F-150, you know, it'd be, it, everybody wants the tricked out decked out version and that's the one they want to sell you, but everybody can't afford that. So, you know, we need to have all kinds of options and not just close the door, uh, especially when, when people are willing to pay for the, uh, platinum edition or whatever it is so yeah it seems as though it seems as though when we call educating consumer then we go right to look how cheap your food is and yeah. that is a a language that uh you and i are both from uh, a county that has a significant amount of blue collar people that are even some welfare uh uh folks so a cheap food argument works to the, the the lower socioeconomic end of our food consumer spectrum but 
if you go over here to Paradise Valley, Arizona, and keep telling them how cheap their food is, a couple of people that might work with, but in general, they don't. Yeah. Care. It's, and it's almost an insult. They don't want. They don't want cheap cars. They don't want cheap houses. They don't want cheap anything. Let alone do they want cheap food? You know, you look at the restaurants and everything else. Everybody wants to be in the the high end, not, not yeah. the McDonald's. Yeah, you so. used F the F one fifty from the base model to the platinum model. There's even a greater disparity if you think about it. We call consumer outreach and educating consumer by telling them how cheap their food is. I've got neighbors over here that they want the F one fifty platinum. And, and we're still, when you keep telling them how cheap we can make stuff for them, they're like, are you expecting me to take the bus? <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we, we're, not, we're not only between F-150s, we're between the most expensive uh, pickup truck and going down to riding the, you know, the public bus. And that tends to be wrong. There's a couple of things that I think we do a good job of, and I think it's getting better when it comes to educating the consumer. And this is the where I focus. And this is where I think that you probably do too. You're an organic guy. Um, some of the organic marketing claims at the grocery consumer level are a little bit, shall we say, exaggerated um, in terms of health claims. But on an environmental claim, I think that all of modern agriculture today has a real good uh, story to tell that is about the consumer. Right now, we've got so much uh, adherence to this um, politically and, and otherwise. That's what I think we should probably be putting out there. We're talking about educating the consumer. I think it should always be about environment and environmental uh, benefit by our techniques. Yeah. Right. That's, Is that that's, the right one? Yeah. I mean, that, that story is told uh, fairly often. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to live in a dirty environment. Nobody wants dirty water, dirty air. That's an easy thing to connect with people on. Um, and I think it's important to, uh, tell the story of how, uh, how we're doing that, you know, whether, whether you want to support, uh, a no-till farm operation that doesn't disturb the soil, but still uses chemicals, or, you know, you want to support an organic operation that does a little bit of tillage, but doesn't use any, any chemicals or anything like that. Uh, there's different ways to achieve the same goal and to market to, uh, different, consumers that have different preferences. So yeah. they're, they're, now you say that it's being told a lot. I think it's being told maybe by the ag corporations. I don't know that it's being told as much by our trade groups as perhaps should be, because that's where uh, you talked about a trade group, putting an ad in a publication that only you are going to see. What if they were out there doing more stuff that uh, the general market saw about, uh, do you realize that today to produce a bushel of corn, we use one fourth as much resources as we did, you know, in 1940, that kind of thing, because then it becomes a bit of a logical, but an emotional appeal, because I think you can do a real simple thing. You can show the dust bowl and you can show today. And, and that's probably a good one. What else am I missing here, man? Educating the consumer, consumer outreach, informational campaigns. We talked about the three rhetorical appeals, talked about what we do wrong, talked about how it was time to change the script. What am I missing, Andy? Well, I, we didn't talk about what was it, the Greek, original Greek language of that. I don't remember. So other than that, I think we, we covered a pretty big gamut of everything. So the, the Greek, the Greek language be that we talked about uh, the, was it, who was it that came up with the, who was the actual person that came up with this? The father of logic, if you will. But anyway, author, appeals to authority, logic, and emotion were what we discussed and how our educational outreach, as we call it, to consumers really falls flat because it 
is all about the logic and the science and logic and the science. By the way, the three authority, logic, and emotion are uh, uh, pathos, legos, and e- egos. Isn't that it? Er- ergos. One of them was logos, wasn't it? I don't know. I, don't I think speak. it's logos. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's <laughs> pathos, logos, and ergos or egos. But anyway, it sounds like egos, right? So no. anyway, um, <clears throat> I'd say that uh, why does this matter? If you're in the business of agriculture, you're listening to this right now, you've heard this a hundred times. Every time you've been at a conference, be careful of falling for this thing of we just have to educate the consumer because a lot of times it's we just got to tell them why we let hog manure go down their rivers or why we uh, why we do this. Because sometimes it's a reactionary defense versus an actual uh outreach to the consumer. And remember, we're a consumer business. Uh, I mean, Andy gets as much as anybody. He stole, he started out selling pumpkins when he was a 12 year old. Uh, so we're a consumer business without them. There's no need for us, even though we say you can't live without food. Well, we don't have a business without them. So it's, it's a very interdependent uh, arrangement we have. Yep. And I mean, business is in place to serve your customer. I mean, that's kind of a business one-on-one thing. So we shouldn't replace we need to educate and serve, but not replace serve with educate. And, you know, so. Yeah, I think there's, that's, a, that's a very valuable thing. We'll just say it again. We need to replace. Uh, we need to serve and, and educate both, uh, but not replace uh, serving with educating. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes it's a it's a it's a sort of a a, a rallying or thing of saying, "By God, this is what we're going to do before we do it." All right, his name's Andy Ambriel. You can keep up with him. He's on Twitter. He fights with people all the time. What's your handle? Uh, at BioSteward. So BioSteward. Sometimes we get into some creative uh, discussions, so we can still all be friends at the end of the day, though. So. <laughs> The acres, how many acres are you going to have in the year 2021 that you're cultivating? Uh, about 1,400. So, and it's it's what crops? Uh, corn, soybeans, wheat. So all organic, and all then and, and he's looking at other future options and alternatives. All right, so now you've heard our thoughts on this. It's time to change the curriculum, and uh, yes, do keep do keep doing outreach. Just realize you're doing it probably. Uh, you, you, you need to be doing it the right way, appealing to emotion, appealing to them. Uh, and if your story doesn't mean something to the customer, it doesn't mean anything, period, because your story is neat for you, but it's not to them until it actually means something to their life. Uh, that's kind of the wrap on all that. This episode of the Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Harvest Profit, a software solution that works for guys just like Andy Ambriel, who's my guest on this podcast. So if it works for him, a 1,400-acre organic farmer, why are you not giving it a try? Because it doesn't matter what you farm. It doesn't matter what your ag enterprise is. Harvest Profit is a great option for you. Please do me a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Push this along to somebody that needs to hear it. Until next time, Andy, thanks for being on. It's getting dark where he is. If you're yeah, it's getting dark. This. It's about time to sign off. I think I'm just about a shadow now. Yeah, he's just so. about a shadow against uh, against a winter a, win- a winter scene there in northern Indiana. All right. Till next time. Thanks for being here, Andy. Yep. Take care. Till next time. It's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, 
food fear, or do business better, go to DamianMason.com.